back? I've already talked to him oh, today. Really? He probably tried to call me and then was calling you to ask why I didn't answer. <laughs> he, I, I, like, was so confused today because I finally answered and then, like, was talking to him. And then he said, something, something, Sidio. And then I was like, what? And then he was like, Sidio. And then he, it was just gone. He hung up. And I was like... <laughs> Did, like, what did I miss? I don't understand. Maybe his balance was Sidio. Oh, maybe so. Sidio means finish. <laughs> <laughs> the call was Sidio, that's for sure. Yeah. I was like, okay, I guess that's done. You know how it beeps at you and it says that happened to you? <gasps> Have you never run out of balance when calling someone? One time. Oh my gosh, it makes a super high pitch, like, Thank you, Encel, for breaking my eardrums wow. on a weekly basis because I'm irresponsible and don't buy them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together we are Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So, what are we talking about today, White? Ada, humming bayako basa sik nabeleko barimos boleto. Wait, will you translate that for me? Oh, sure. I guess that was Nepali. Today, we're talking about language learning and our language learning time. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while for me. Well, you're always learning language. <laughs> But since I had concentrated language learning, so it'll be fun to revisit some of those moments. Yeah. It'll make you want to go back into language learning, I bet. Nope. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> but before we do that, I want to hear about your week, White. Do you have anything fun or exciting that happened to you this week? Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, within the last couple of weeks, I started taking um, fitness classes. And I'm doing this. It's called Paloxing. It's a combination of Pilates and boxing or like kickboxing, I so guess. So do you like punch people while you're planking? Only on accident. <laughs> <laughs> I do like budge up to people like because we jump around a lot and I'm uh, like, oh, I'm really close to this girl. And it's like double, double, single. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't punch you in the back of the head. Maybe I should like back up. Um, yeah. So you like jump around a lot and then we do mat workout like um more like traditional pilates mm. on the mat too so it's like a combination that sounds super fun it is fun but i'm like super white and uncoordinated <laughs> i am not a sporty person um, so the, are the other people in the class on nepalis yes yeah once in a while there's another foreigner who mm -hmm. shows up but yeah most of the time it's only nepalis and me but it's all like conducted in english um but yeah, so I've been doing that for a couple weeks, and I'm like, I'm not in terrible shape, but I'm just very uncoordinated. And so she's like, you know, doing these like weird little like dance kind of moves because it's just like a teeny tiny little bit like Zumba, and Nepalis mm. love Zumba. Oh yeah, they do. And um, I can't <laughs> at all. <laughs> and um, so she's like doing this thing, and I'm like, oh, oh no, oh no. Oh, there's a leg thing and an arm thing, and I'm doing them out of sync. And that's like what it's been like for the last three classes, because I've only done four classes, three or four classes. But this week, I went 
And I was, I think, the most in shape person there, which is such a good feeling. And I feel like I had a little bit more coordination and I wasn't like a complete idiot. Like, I wasn't like amazing, but I didn't feel embarrassed about myself. That is so encouraging. uh, It felt so good. It's fun. I feel like it's really fun to learn something new as an adult. Yeah. When you're a kid, you're learning all the time. It feels normal. But once you're an adult and then you learn a new skill, it feels super great. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to make myself do. Yeah. I don't like looking like an idiot. I mean, call me crazy, but. Oh, looking like an idiot. Is that what this episode is about? Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I look like an idiot every single day. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that later <laughs> because I want to talk about yeah. my crazy thing that happened to me this week. So I got a massage today, and first, introduction, massages here are so cheap. <laughs> I feel like when people are like, oh, you live in Kathmandu, like, is that so hard? I'm like, well, I get a <laughs> massage every month. <laughs> I eat out all the time because it's really cheap. But yeah, this is my lap of luxury life. Mm-hmm. I got a massage because I needed to work out all the kinks I got from flying and then trying to do all of my week's workout in two days. Yeah, you're like a weightlifter now, so. I know, it's fun. Yeah. I like it. Beast. <gasps> I can start to see more definition in my arms. And yes, I feel so good about get it, it, girl. Yep. But anyway, so I went to get a massage and my normal massage place was closed. So I went to this new place that I haven't been to before. And the massage itself was really good. Like, the girl is deep tissue. It, like, hurt really bad. Like, you know, but in a good way that mm-hmm. it gives you an adrenaline rush. But literally everything else about the massage was so awkward. <laughs> so I, like, yeah. had my face in the little hole where you put your face, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. My face was in the face yep, hole. The face hole where you put your face. <laughs> and but it was like too big, so it was like pressing on my neck. She's <laughs> oh just really uncomfortable. And then true confessions. I woke up late today and I didn't brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> so I you know, my face was like aiming down in the face hole. So every time I talked. My breath would come out, but it would rise back up. Rise back up into my nose, and it smelled so bad. And then the girl kept asking me, like, oh, is this pressure okay? Like, you know, should I do this part of your body or whatever? And I, like, didn't want to answer because I'd have to smell my own breath. It's great. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow yeah and then wait there's more (laughs) so you know they have like the nice like relaxing music or whatever so it was like this like really soft but kind of fancy like with lots of flourishes piano music and it was really slow and at first I like didn't really make the connection but I was listening and it was like do 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 I was like, oh my god, is this a Christmas song? Yeah. <laughs> you guys, it's September. <laughs> so then I'm like laying there, and normally getting massages is like my meditative time, you know, and on my phone, I'm not listening to podcasts, whatever. <laughs> I just like, every five minutes, I would like start to relax, and then a new Christmas song would come on. <laughs> All Christmas songs? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Do, do, oh do, 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 do. <laughs> I was like 
so not relaxing. And they were like, most of them were like very Christian ones too. You know, there's like, there's kind of the like cultural Christmas songs, but it was like about baby Jesus. You know? <laughs> I was just like, Mary, Dying. did you know? No, <laughs> I haven't even watched Hocus Pocus yet. <laughs> not time for this anyway that was my super awkward massage experience i feel like christmas songs like do not have a season in a lot of other countries oh really i haven't noticed this i remember i think this was in india they would have backup songs like if you're backing up your car and it would be christmas songs like no i can't even think of a christmas song right now but how about come let us adore him (laughs) Something chip more chipper than that. Well, I, I did have when I was, you know, you're yeah. like, what? Where? What's happening? Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, when I lived in Chile in South America for like eight months or whatever, I was studying abroad. You know, they have opposite seasons of us, mm. Southern Hemisphere, and so Christmas was like at the beginning of summer. <laughs> so it was so freaky to go into department stores and they have like the bathing suits on display right next to the Christmas trees. (laughs) And they even had Christmas songs they had changed the words to. I wish I remembered the exact words, but there was like the Let It Snow song. It was like about sunshine. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) Yep, so that was weird. Yeah. And here's a good transition into the whole first year of living in Nepal where everything is weird. Yes. So we are going to talk about our experience with language learning today. And first, to give you some context, we're going to kind of go meta and talk about different ways of learning language. Do you want to start us off, White? Yeah, let's do this. Um, So just so you actually like have confidence in me, you should know that I had planned to be an ESL teacher, English as a Second Language when I was in college. So I've taken all these classes about ESL and how to learn a second language and stuff. So yeah, this was like a major throwback for me. I had to do like research to remember what they were. Did you go back into your old like school files? Oh goodness, no. Those are probably burned up by now. But um, yeah, so There are a lot of language learning approaches, which is not surprising to any of us because we've been learning second languages for thousands of years. Um, But I'm just going to highlight a few um, that are, I think, particularly important. So the first is grammar translation. If you have ever taken a second language in a high school class or college or whatever, you've probably been exposed to grammar translation. It's pretty traditional. It's more focused on like rote memorization, you learn grammar, and then you fit your language into like a formula and you like insert words into that formula and learn from that. And there's a lot of practice of translation. That's where the other half of the name comes from, right? So it's like, here's a sentence in English. Now write it in Spanish or whatever. So you tend to have pretty good grammar. And if you're like learning a language to in order to like read it, like Mm-hmm. Latin or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, great it's good for skills. that. Yes. Um, but yeah, so grammar translation is still used. Um, but as uh, I can't remember when this was produced, but in response to grammar translation came the direct approach. So they were like, eh, grammar translation, they're so boring. All they do is just translate and learn grammar. That's so dumb. We're just going to 
like make you speak the language and then you'll learn it. You don't even need to hear any of the actual grammar. Like you'll just learn it by speaking it. Your brain will just absorb it and understand it. So they did like, they do lots of games and things like that so that you hopefully just kind of pick up um, the patterns of grammar naturally. Kind of like a baby does, right? In, like, yeah. in their first language. Yeah. So we all do that naturally. Um, and so they're trying to do that as a second language. And then we have the audiolingual approach. This was super popular in the 50s and 60s. I think they actually made it uh, during World War II, like when they needed to do code breaking and stuff. Oh. Um, but it was really popular for the public in the 50s and 60s. So like my mom, when she was in school, she learned uh, Spanish through the audio lingual approach, oh. which means that in the classroom, the target language is spoken and it's repeated a lot. Um, and so people would like hear a lot of times it was almost like a script, like you would hear a conversation like, hello, how are you? Oh, I am good. The weather is nice today. Yes, the weather is nice today. What are you doing? Where are you going? You know, things like that. And so people would like hear this, they would be listening to the script and they would learn how to fill in their parts of the script, which meant that their pronunciation was super good because they listened to the language mm. repeated, repeated, repeated. But it also meant that they couldn't really freestyle that well. Right. Like if someone goes <laughs> off script, then they're like, yeah. uh, I don't know like, what to say. Hey, the weather is not nice. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now what? <laughs> but yeah, my mom still remembers like huge Spanish phrases from middle school or high school when she was in class. Hmm, so, I mean, so it's definitely good for something. Well, and there are some theories, right, that like, Everything you do in language sort of is scripted, and you're just, like, rearranging those scripts mm -hmm. in your mind. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully none of these are completely wasted time. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, and then there was the communicative approach. And so this one focused on making meaningful communication, which meant that um, – it was very interactive. It's still usually done in a classroom. So most of these are like they were produced to be or to be a language learned in the classroom. So, yeah, so they did games and things like that. And so you'll see like there's a lot of things that are borrowing from other language learning approaches and, you know, trying to introduce new things. And, um, and they also tried to use authentic materials, which are like – if you're learning Spanish, maybe you would have an article from a Spanish newspaper that you would read and report on or something like that. Okay. Which I think that when I was learning Spanish in high school, I think we kind of used the communicative approach mm. or like some combination of grammar translation and communicative approach. That's cool. Because, yeah, we would like read articles and – but we'd also do stupid things like – Memorize the United States Pledge of Allegiance in, in Spanish. Spanish? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I use that all the time. Wait, do you remember it? Can you say it? Um, Nepali takes over a lot. Yeah. Prometo, prometo a la bandera de los Estados Unidos de América. Something, something. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> it, 
starts turning into Nepali the more that I try and speak yeah, it. Yeah, dude, the other day I was trying to remember a Nepali word and I could only think of the Spanish word. Oh, and I was like, dangerous. Broken. But sometimes they're close too, like colors. I get confused. I'm like, yeah. that's what comes to my mind for the Nepali color, but it sounds Spanish. So I'm like, I don't trust myself. The vowels are really similar. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. So that's communicative approach. And then we have the natural approach, which we're getting closer to modern day now. Um, so the natural approach is kind of without stepping on Big's toes because she's going to talk about how we learn language. But it's a little closer to how we learn language. It's trying to mimic how children learn their first language. Um, and then also TPR, which is total physical response. So you do like a lot of movement and you depend on different bodily actions or whatever to um, make new neural pathways and connections in your brain. Mm. So like, yeah, if you were ever little and you had to learn some summer camp song and you had little hand motions and a little dance, (laughs) that was basically TPR, but... Put that in a foreign language context. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that was, there were so many. Oh my gosh, I, mean, I bet. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're all pretty much still used, but I'd say there's good and bad things about lots of them. And it depends on why you're learning a language, why you would use a certain language learning approach. True. And you can also combine them. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we did. So, yeah, we did a method called GPA, which stands for the Growing Participator Approach. It's sometimes also called the Greg Thompson Method because he was the main person who sort of developed it and has written about it and stuff. Shout out to the Thompsons. They are so freaking cool. Have you met them? No. One of our friends went to a conference that they led about language learning. Were they all there? Yeah. <laughs> I want to meet all of them because it's like... They have a bunch of kids, right? You read articles and it's written by the entire Thompson family. Yeah, <laughs> true. It's so funny. <laughs> they are obsessed with language learning. Um, but yeah, so we actually learned this method at the school where we studied linguistics to do the job that we do. And the idea of the growing participator approach is that over time, you can grow in your participation in the language. Mm. So there's like five or six phases, and you start with the first phase is like very basic, and it's all about interacting with someone who's a native speaker of the language and doing kind of very repetitive things, but it's helping you really listen to the language and kind of get to know the language really well. So at first, you're actually not supposed to speak. You're supposed to just listen. And you do things like you, or you can learn like really basic phrases that you say. So like, what is this? And your teacher says, that's a table. And you say, what is this? And your teacher says, that's a bed. And then, you know, you go around the room and you start with physical things around you. And in that phase, you start to build up a lot of vocabulary that way, really like tangible things that you are going to be using every day. Not, I feel like in other methods, sometimes someone just creates an arbitrary list of here's words that I think are important for you to know. But with this method, it's very much like based on your experience and what's near to you. And so, yeah, it's also related to the idea of how kids learn language, right? Like they learn it in the context of their lives. Mm -hmm. 
And they learn it through repetition and through listening first before they start speaking. You don't like start out speaking like you have a bachelor's degree. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let me tell you, it makes you feel like a dumb idiot. Ever. <laughs> like, when I was learning language, I was living with a Nepali host family and I would come home and they'd be like, what did you learn in class today? I'm like, I listened to my teacher <laughs> talk about animals. <laughs> I learned elephant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lion but it was hard because like you i i was pretty strict about the not talking thing not everyone does it one of the things about the growing participator approach is they have a whole plan but they also encourage you to do what works for you you know so if you want to incorporate other styles or whatever then you know people do that but um yeah so like i was like i can't even tell you what i learned like i just <laughs> listened to stuff <laughs> But then you move on to starting to do some basic speaking, and it's all very much in context. Um, and you start to talk about, you start to do more full sentences. And then the way that you learn grammar is all in context also. So, for example, you do a lot of framing. So if you want to learn, you know, past tense, then you have your teacher, you look at a book with your teacher. Like I love like the Where's Waldo type books with mm -hmm. lots of little drawings and you find the people and you point to them and you ask your teacher like, what did he do? And your teacher says, oh, he walked down the road. And then you point to someone else. Oh, what did she do? And your teacher says, she bought a sandwich, you know, based on what's in the picture. And then you go through all of those things. So you're, you're kind of practicing some of the vocabulary, but you're also hearing the frame of that sentence, the past tense, like repeated over and over. And so instead of getting this like structured, like, okay, when you're talking about he walked, that's different than they walked or I walked. You're, you're not looking at a chart. You're just hearing it in context. The thing I like about that is you get this very natural feeling of, when you hear something, it just sounds right to you, mm -hmm. which is how we all learn yeah. our first language, right? I mean, yeah. we do learn grammar stuff in school, but that's way after we kind of get the rules going in our mind, maybe even subconsciously. Yeah. So it's then, kind of fun. It, it's yeah. Like, hmm, I think in my brain, this is how I'd say that. Let's give it a go. And, you know, yeah. maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But yeah, yeah, you do a lot of like trial and error kind yeah. of stuff. You start to like try things. So, yeah. After you listen to your teacher do some of these things, then you try to do it yourself. So then she switches and she says, okay, what did this man do? And you say, oh, he walked down the road. Except you actually say, he, he, he walked the, down the, the road. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. The, the, oh, what is it? Oh, what is it? What is it? I know the word. What is it? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I recently listened to some recordings from when I was doing language learning. So one of the things you do with this method is you're not supposed to write stuff down at the beginning because it like activates a different part of your brain or whatever. So instead, in order to be able to review what you learned during the day, you make a recording or take a video of your teacher pointing to stuff and talking about stuff. And just hearing myself speaking Nepali like three months in, compared to how confident I am now, it Woo. made me feel so good. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've actually grown as a person yeah. and learned something, yay! <laughs> but I also was kind of embarrassed, like, wow, my teacher was so patient <laughs> with me. I was so dumb. Oh my gosh. But anyway, yeah, then as you continue on through the method, you go through these different phases where you really increase, start to increase slowly in complexity. But the whole idea is that like the name says, the growing participator approach, is you don't jump beyond your abilities um, 
before like you're ready for it you know you don't start learning academic words when you hardly are able to have a basic conversation with someone about hi how are you and I feel like that can be frustrating because you're an adult you know and you're like yeah you're like I have all these complex thoughts in my brain exactly (laughs) Yeah. yeah but I I think overall like getting past those frustrations and just accepting sounding like an idiot for a while, to me, it was really great. It built a very good foundation of being able to have really conversational Nepali. Yeah. So my spelling is terrible, <laughs> <laughs> but I can talk to people and yeah. I have a pretty good accent, I think. So one of my best moments was I had been living here for like two years, maybe a year and a half. And I ordered takeout, like the food delivery service. And the guy got to my house and he called me and he's like, oh, which house is it? And I described the house and I said, oh, yeah, I'm coming outside. And I came outside and he looked at me all shocked like, oh, you're big and white. (laughs) On the phone, I thought you were Nepali. And internally, I was just like, this is the best day of my life. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So it's amazing to go from like literally the only word I knew when I moved here was namaste to that. Yep. Felt pretty good. Yep. But yeah, so the growing participatory approach is really fun. As you get into later stages, you start to do more with stories. Like yes. you look at wordless picture books. That was my favorite. They're so fun. And you talk about them with your teacher. Oh, what's happening in this story? And you can kind of take turns like making up stories yourself. And then later you start to go even deeper. Like you talk about personal stories that have happened to you or you have your teacher tell their life story and you listen to it and, you know, learn more complex ideas and stuff from that. And yeah, you just get like deeper and deeper. It's really cool. Yeah. Like the uh, whole idea is that you're not like so much learning a language, you're becoming like a participant in a culture. Exactly. Yeah. Becoming a not really a member of society necessarily, but becoming a part of it at least. Right. And they really encourage you to, you know, talk to as many people as you can and really build relationships with people because that's really what language is, Mm -hmm. right? I think sometimes in the West we see language as this like scientific thing almost, especially if we, especially like for me doing the grammar translation method in school, you know, but it actually like the whole purpose of language is to be able to communicate with other people. So... If you are learning a language and you're not practicing communicating, then what are you even doing? Yeah. Unless it's a dead language, in which case, do your thing. I would get, but you're still communicating with um, people from the past, yeah. right? Or they're communicating yeah. with you, I guess. True. <laughs> you're not talking back to them. Unless you get in our time machine, the big and white time machine. Oh, I forgot about the time machine. <laughs> we got to use that more. <laughs> the xylophone time machine. <laughs> Uh, it's also related to I mean it's about communication but we briefly mentioned this in the last episode language is also a lot about identity so you use the language in a way that communicates who you are and I think for me that whole aspect of identity is one of the reasons that I don't really like learning language that mm -hmm. much because for those first you know six to eight months you can't communicate who you yeah. are. You completely lose your identity. Yeah. And for some people, that's freeing. Like one of my friends loves language learning. And I think she likes it because in her own home culture, she feels a little bit awkward. But when she's learning a new language, she gets to create a new identity. Yeah. 
but I like my identity in yeah, my own yeah. culture. So it's hard for me to feel like oh, I'm not funny. I'm not interesting. I can't talk about interesting things. Right. I'm just like, oh, tree, house, look at <laughs> yeah. dog. Yeah. You don't like, you don't know just automatically what you can say without, you know, like if you're used to being funny and making jokes, right. that kind of, you, you don't Kinda know where the that boundaries are. You. you don't know yeah. what the nuances are. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. But it is also fun once you do come into it. True. And now I feel like I haven't – I mean, I'm not great, but I have enough that I can have a personality and yeah. I can be myself and I can make friends. And that's kind of – it feels like a bit of a relief. <laughs> so do you have any, like, fun memories from when you first started learning language with – I mean, specifically here in Nepal with the, this method. Yes. So you're talking about one of the phases. Did you mention this? That you're like listening, you're like watching videos. No, yeah, like that. that's another. Yeah. So that's super fun. So if you need to learn a second language, use GPA because you can like watch all of the Pixar short movies. Yes, and they're stuff. so fun. <laughs> like my YouTube recommendations were so weird for months it's like you can watch snl and jimmy fallon and also here's a children's film you know (laughs) so every day um during this phase my language helper and i would watch a like a wordless movie or whatever like a little short film but i wouldn't watch the video before she watched it. So I would like find a video, you know, the icon looked kind of fun. It wasn't super long or anything. And so I would set her up with my laptop and I'd be like, okay, bye. And I would like rush off and make us tea or something. And then I would like kind of sneak back and be like, is it done? Did you watch it yet? (laughs) Um, And so my thought was that she would describe the movie to me and then I would describe in my own words what the movie was about. But Nepali has, they tend to have very broad terms. So one word could describe a lot of things. And I mean, it goes the other way too. Like they have terms that we would have one word for and they have a bunch of different words. But yeah. Um, So I, in my English speaking brain, have a very defined set of uh like visuals for what a word would represent (laughs) and nepalis don't have that same set and so i ended up having her watch a trailer for um what was it called it was like a coco Mm. i think it's a pixar movie but it's about like it's set in mexico and uh it's about the day of the dead and it's a really cute film but anyway i didn't realize it was a trailer um but so she watches it and she's like describing it to me And she's like, yes, okay, so there's this boy, and there's his dog, and they are friends, and they are running around the city, and then the dog goes into the dead people place, and (laughs) they are in the dead people place, and then the boy comes into the dead people place, and then um, a ghost is in the dead people place, and uh, they're talking to the dead the ghost and i'm like what? did they go to hell like, <laughs> yeah, like i know on? i'm like ew is it like 
a the morgue <laughs> or yeah like a morgue like so i'm like i'm describing it back to her but i'm like eh, I, I don't know about this <laughs> that's so funny it's like you're saying the right words yes. the concept isn't actually making sense to you <laughs> i did that with another video too where she said that like the girl stole the pool which is flower but I was like, why did she steal the chicken's flower? I don't understand. <laughs> but they're angry and they're fighting. And then I find out that that's also like the word for egg. And she hadn't ever told me <laughs> that because we egg. use a different word for egg in Kathmandu. Um, but anyway, so this video. Yeah. So I'm like, the dead people's place. I don't understand. <laughs> and then we watch the video together. And it's a cemetery. Right. I'm like, okay. Aha! <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> so I like answered all the questions. But I was like. I had no freaking idea. I was like, I am so sorry for this weird trailer that I made you watch. But yeah. It made more sense. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I think one of the, another benefit of this language learning method is that, like you said, you learn culture alongside the language. Mm-hmm. I kind of had a similar experience where it was the same part of, same, you know, phase of language learning where we were watching videos and we watched, it's one of the old, like first Pixar shorts. And there's this, it's like, there's snow globes on this shelf. There's like a snowman in one snow globe. And then he looks across to this other snow globe that's like set in Florida. (laughs) So there's this girl in a bikini like on the beach and she's like waving to him. She's like, come into my snow globe. (laughs) So then he tries to do all these things to escape his snow globe and get into hers, right? But so we're doing the, we watch the video together and then I'm like, okay, now to my teacher, describe the movie as we watch it and and then we'll you know we'll or we'll talk through it or whatever so we get to the part where the girl with the bikini shows up and i'm like what color is her hair where is she she's at the beach what's she doing she's saying hello to the snowman what's she wearing she's naked (laughs) (laughs) x-rated language learning right yeah and i realized like I guess for Nepali culture, wearing a bikini and being naked are not that much different. Yeah. <laughs> They're a lot more conservative clothing-wise than Yeah, we are. like their swimsuits would be like swimming costumes, what you would think of, I feel like. Right, yeah. So like one step down from burkini. <laughs> anyway, that was a shocking naked. and hilarious moment <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, how about, is there anything in Nepali that you found kind of difficult because like, so Nepali is an Indo-Aryan language and it's based on an ancient language called Sanskrit, which is the same language that Hindi is based on. So kind of like how, you know, Italian, Spanish are both based on Latin. That's how what's happening with Hindi and Nepali are both based on Sanskrit. But they are kind of, I mean, Indo-Aryan, so you hear Aryan, they're somewhat related to European languages, but they still have pretty big differences. And you express concepts a lot differently in Nepali than you would in English generally, which is one of the reasons that using GPA is a lot easier. Like if you try to do grammar translation method, there's not a lot of direct translations, you know, one for one, this word means this, whatever. Um, But yeah, is there anything for you that like, when you were learning this sort of whole new way of expressing things that you found really challenging or super interesting? Yeah, I was just thinking, um, I remember being so freaking confused when we were learning 
um, what in English would be like prepositions, like mm. on, at, words like that. Because in Nepali, they are not prepositions, they are postpositions. Mm-hmm. So I, rem- I remember my uh, language helper was teaching us things like, the glass is on the table, things like that. And so we learned like the word for on or at is the same word. It's ma. Uh, so I was like, gilas, which is <laughs> table and gilas have, I mean, glass have, I like, they're Nepaliized. My first day of language learning, I was like, what's this? And my teacher's like, table. And I was like, what's this? And she was like, gilas. And I was like, am I learning English or Nepali? Be late. Bottle. <laughs> Yeah, Nepali is very comfortable with borrowing words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm like, gilas ma table ta, which literally would be glass on the table is. So it's not, yeah, anyway, the order of the yeah, sentence. If you directly translate it. But what she actually said was, the table is on the glass. Yeah. <laughs> So in order to say the glass is on the table, you'd have to say gilas table mata. So basically you're saying the glass on table yep. is. Yep. I can't you think guys of totally confused example, yet. But... Wait, before, probably one of the reasons this sounds confusing is we forgot to tell you, Nepali is a verb final language. Yes, which so, is another interesting thing to learn. Yeah, all languages have rules about which order you say your words in, and some languages have more strict rules than others. <laughs> But in Nepali, you always say the verb as the last word in your sentence. So instead of saying, my name is big, mm-hmm. I would say, my name big is, which is kind of nice if you forget the conjugation, because you can yes. just get to the end of the <laughs> sentence and then figure it out. Door to I went. Yes. Yeah. So I just remember being super confused about that. I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. I'm so confused. Yeah. And when I finally realized that, it was like, mind blown. That can create some hilarity. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that um, was kind of interesting, I don't know if it was really hard for me, but it just is really interesting. And the way that people use language here is there's kind of a word for no, but there isn't a word for yes. Mm. So you can say sir (laughs) yeah (laughs) which kind of means like i get it or i agree but mostly if you're replying to a question with the affirmative you just reply back with the positive form of the verb so here's an example hey white did you eat today um how should i answer this i ate (laughs) (laughs) yeah you so i suck you (laughs) it happened yeah that's finished (laughs) it happened it's finished i ate um those would all be acceptable answers yeah it's kind of in just an interesting fun tidbit about how languages can be different like you just assume one of the first words you need to learn in a language is yes or no and you don't even have that option Mm. so you, yeah, and, but it, I have a couple times in English kind of done that. So someone will ask me like, ma'am, do you need some water? And I'm like, I need water. Like, Ooh, that was weird. <laughs> like, are you a robot? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> I mean, I am a robot. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> 
And another thing that I think is um, really helpful that we don't speak for the first 30 hours of lessons is that the sounds that you have to speak and hear in Nepali are very different than English. Yeah, there's a bunch of sounds in Nepali that we don't even use in English at all. And they're like very important to know the difference because you might... You're saying a totally different word. Hey, um, do you have a job in this store? Or do you have envelopes in this store? (laughs) It's the difference of one letter that in English... We don't care about. We don't really know. We can say either way. We do care about it, but it's not like it just makes us sound like we're pronouncing it weird. It doesn't actually change the meaning of the word. Do you have a (laughs) vapor? Sorry, what? (laughs) Vapor? Yeah. So, um, so that's one example. So basically, that example is it's called aspiration which maybe you can try this at home. Normally in English, at the beginning of words, we aspirate our consonants, which basically means... Our consonants. <laughs> we put a little puff of air right after. So if you say the word puff and you put your fingers in front of your mouth, then you can feel the little puff of air coming out. But for example, if there's a P in the middle of the word, you might not aspirate it. So if you put your hands in front, your fingers in front of your mouth and say the word apple, you'll notice that you don't feel that puff of air coming out. To us, that might, those P's might sound the same, but to Nepali, they hear two different sounds and that changes the meaning of the word. There's also retroflex. That would be like, to get stereotypical, what you would think of as an Indian English accent. Thank you. Come again. Like your tongue is farther back it's like bent up towards the roof of your mouth and it's touching further back in your mouth than it would for like a normal d or t and those can be hard to hear too for a english speaker kind of sometimes it sounds like there's an r before the letter like jard yeah sounds like j-a-r-d but it's just (laughs) j-a retroflex d (laughs) like that example there's one topic running through (laughs) my example is that word means alcohol (laughs) can you tell what's on my mind (laughs) i love it the funny thing about retroflex is when people use english words when they're speaking nepali they'll often put that sound into it so instead of computer they'll say computer (laughs) (laughs) or like the other day um I was talking to someone and he was trying to say code, like coding a computer. And he was like, yeah, you know, so if you have to look at the code. And I was like, code? Code? What's code? I have no idea what that is. And then he's like, you know, computer code. Like, oh, (laughs) the computer code. (laughs) Yeah. Although Nepali English is definitely different than like Indian English. Yeah, it's interesting. Indian English, I mean... um, some people might think, oh, you hear an Indian speaking English, and they just have a bad accent. They don't know how to speak English. But there actually is a completely separate dialect of English that exists in India. They have different vocabulary, they have different pronunciation rules, even some different grammar rules. But Nepalis don't speak that. They basically speak British English with an American accent. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then fun. they also throw a lot of English words into Nepali sentences yes. which is so convenient if you don't know the nepali word you can just say the english word and usually people understand you it's pretty great okay let's wrap this up with 
Each telling a story about a really funny language uh, blender that we've made. We have so many of these. Yeah. Would you like to go first? Sure. So this was near the end of my language learning time. Um, we were moving offices and I was helping pack up our library. And so in order to move our library, I was having um, me and like three other people wrap up the books in twine, I guess. Yeah. And so I was like meeting with my language learning partner, who's like the sweetest. I say language learning partner sounds just weird, but basically like I would go over to this lady's house. partner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just someone to hang out with and practice. Yeah. She was like, she's like my Nepali mom. So I'd go over there and like have a conversation with her and she would like force you to eat a hundred snacks. So many snacks. Yep. Um, and so I'm like telling her, you know, about my day and yeah, I've been working in the library and we've been wrapping the books up with string and so we can bring them over to the other building. And she gets kind of like, oh, like a weird look on her face. And she's like, what? How are you wrapping them up? And I'm like, with string. And she's like, well, how does that work? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you wrap it up like a present, like, you know, and tie it in the middle. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then right about then, I realized that I've switched the words. They're pretty similar and <laughs> my neurons misfired. And so I was telling her that I was wrapping up all the books with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. She was so sweet. Just like, she was okay, so sweet. Crazy. She's like, ah. Oh, Okay, well, how does that work? Now? How are you doing that? I always and I'm like, like a present. Don't you wrap your presents with rocks? The poisonous thing foreigners are insane. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of saying that, might not be the right word. She's just like, oh, you guys do yeah. things different than we do. <laughs> and that made it made me laugh so hard because I was like. Then I got kind of embarrassed because I was thinking about how many times that I've said a word and like in my brain, like if I'm speaking fast, then I say a wrong word and I think it's right, but they don't hear the right word. Right. And I just keep going and they're like, mm, okay, yep, yep. Yeah. yeah so you you uh, got a goat on your neck. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? I know. It makes me feel really insecure when that happens because I'm like, how many other times are they just pretending to understand oh. me and they don't? Oh my gosh. They're so kind to the point where like, I don't even trust them. They're yeah. like, oh, you're Napoleon. So good. I feel like we're so lucky. Like I've heard stories of people that live in like Thailand or China mm. in places where if you make a mistake, the person just stares at you and like doesn't <laughs> try and they're just like, what? But Nepalis are so encouraging like you go to a store and you say one sentence in nepali you're like how much does this cost and they're like your nepali is so good you speak (laughs) such great nepali we're so glad you speak our language and you're like whoa calm down yeah (laughs) but it really is it really creates a great language learning environment yeah you don't want to be stressed people are so patient like Mm -hmm. you know when i was first learning i just go into a store and be like is this red? And they're like, yes, it is. And I'm like, do yeah. you have a sister? And they're like, I do. Like, they're so, I just like love it. Yeah. Well, I have a story similar where I said something crazy and the oh, person so didn't good. even bat an eye. <laughs> so I 
like a year ago, maybe, I visited the States, and I'm from LA, if you couldn't tell by my accent. <laughs> and so when I was there, I was hearing a lot of Spanish and just exposed to a lot of Spanish. And I thought, you know, it'd be so fun to start working on my Spanish again, start getting my Spanish back. So when I got back to Nepal, I downloaded um, Duolingo, the app, and I started practicing Spanish. So then the Spanish part of my brain got activated, and I got myself in trouble because I started mixing up Spanish <laughs> and Nepali words. And I one day was telling my maid, I was asking her to cook some chickpeas for me. And I was like, oh, can you put some sal in there too with the chickpeas, which in Spanish means salt. And she kind of just looked at me like really blankly. <laughs> and then I realized my mistake and I was like, oh, sorry, noon. We put some noon in. That's the, the Nepali word for salt. And we kind of laughed it off, you know. And then later in the day, I saw my landlady and she was telling me, oh, yeah, I've, because I'm learning English, I have started mixing up my languages and I accidentally used an English word with this fruit seller. And I was like, oh, man, me too. I accidentally said Will you put sal in my chickpeas? And my landlady started laughing hysterically. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and like, she finally calmed down. And I was like, what did I say? Like, what's the word? And we were speaking English. And her English is pretty good, but this is like an obscure word. She was like, you said, you know, the part that comes out after the baby. <laughs> Like, oh my gosh. Oh my I just asked my maid to cook my chickpeas with a little bit of placenta. <laughs> and that is what is called meaningful context because you never forget Sol again. <laughs> you mean noon? Yeah. But like you oh, never forget what, what Sol, Sol means. means. Like, yeah. like I'll always remember how to say placenta in Nepali. <laughs> yeah. Next time I need that. <laughs> You sure won't forget noon either, though. True. Oh, well, this was super fun. Thanks for talking about language learning with me. Um, I think this episode's going to be really long because we're so excited about this topic. But I hope you guys found it fun and interesting. If you've learned language before, I'm sure you identify with some of these blunders we made. And yeah, we will definitely be talking about this again yeah. in the future. It's our life. Okay, well, now it's time for our segment of the week. This week, we are giving advice. <laughs> What's that called? Can people like write, write uh, to an advice column or whatever? Dear Abby. <laughs> dear Big and White. So this week's question is, my friend wrote to me and said, I need your advice, Big. Is drinking scotch from a wax paper cup a new height or a new low? Yes. Well, thanks for your question, friend. And my answer would be, it's both. I mean, if you're drinking scotch, it's a That's win. That's a high. Anytime. Yes. Exactly. You are classing it up, my friend. Not even like bourbon, but like scotch. Like, yes. Legit. That is the You've top. gone international. I like it. Mm, welcome. You probably bought it at Duty Free, too. So <laughs> yes. that feels good. And if you're drinking it from a wax paper cup, I would say, in a way, it's a new high because you're very creative, my friend. And you're probably at a place in your life where you are somewhere adventurous, maybe a new apartment that you don't have your cups unpacked yet. Maybe. You're in a random country in Asia that 
doesn't sell whiskey glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but I would also say you've reached a new low because, A, I guess that you're drinking alone if you're doing this. <laughs> Which, I mean, I do all the time. And B, drinking something really classy out of something really unclassy and potentially bad for the environment. That's just not a win. Yeah. Anyway. Better to just drink it straight from the bottle. <laughs> oh, or like, white nose. Pour it into your palm. That is reusable. <laughs> it up like a dog. And environmentally friendly. <laughs> it's the new hipster way to drink. <laughs> so minimalist. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Imagine all of the new flavor notes you can pick up. <laughs> I regret that. Oh my gosh, can we end this segment before I die? <laughs> anyway, thanks for your question, and I hope my non-committal answer helped you. <laughs> if you have any questions that we, Big and White, can help you answer, please send them to us. Yeah, we have an email. It's bigwhitepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram where White posts amazing photos. You can find us on Facebook, where we remind you of episode updates. And you can subscribe, listen, rate our podcast on your favorite podcast apps. Woo! And please remember the Big White Secret. You can please feel free to share uh, the podcast with your friends. Post it yourself. Just don't tag our personal social media tags we like being anonymous it makes us feel like secret agents yeah. or undercover cops so <laughs> special uh oh yeah we also have a patreon now because we are so predictable yep we have patreon if you haven't heard we have patreon if you haven't seen our instagram if you haven't heard any of our podcasts we have patreon did you know we had patreon actually though you guys i'm really proud of the like different levels that you can donate you get to be a different fun funky animal in nepal so even if you're not gonna donate i think you should just go on the website and check it out because we are hilarious yeah and if you do donate we'll have extra what do you call that like gifts prizes extra content that's right we might do an ama we might release some bloopers so keep your eyes peeled for those and by eyes, I mean ears. Peel your ears. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Let's end no. this now. I'm hanging up now. Okay, I'm hanging up. Okay. Okay. All right. My balance is finished. Okay.